Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce to you all the leading content marketer and top-rated speaker, Andy Crestadina, who will give us his recipe for successful content marketing campaigns Andy, who describes himself as just an ordinary guy, which between us is untrue, uh, hashtag fake news, is the founder of Orbit Media Studios, an award-winning 38-person web design and development firm in Chicago. Um, He has helped more than a thousand businesses with their effective marketing strategies and marketing voice. So stay tuned to learn the key ingredients for a successful content marketing program. His tips may just provide you with the magic ingredients you need to succeed in your content marketing campaigns. I hope you guys love Andy as much as I do. All right, you guys, uh, here we are. We're with Andy Crescidino, um, a blogger, speaker, content creator. We were just talking about it earlier. He's trying to act like he's just an all-around normal guy, uh, except we see him everywhere. See him at conferences. Has written a book, and we're going to go into some heavy detail on some of the fun stuff here in a little bit. But Andy, what's going on, bud? How are you doing? You were, we were just talking about this. You had your conference, was it this, this week, right? Yeah, two days ago. Just finished it. Content Jam, seventh year. Went well. It's glad it's done. It's a big job. Lots of fun. It was yeah. great. Who'd you guys have out there? So a couple of local people, um, including Adam Bianco, who's awesome. We had Ann Handley as the keynote, Joanna Weeb, Joel Kletke, and Dana D. Tommaso, who are all Canadians and, and amazing. Dan Shure, who does the Experts on the Wire podcast, great SEO podcast. He's a Bostonian out there with, Dan, with, uh, with Ann. Ayat Shukari, you might not know her. She's a conversion pro. She's, in, she's from Michigan. Jessica Best from Kansas City, email expert. Sarah Jo Crawford, who's really good at video. She's a, uh, from Columbia, Missouri. Chris Mercer, Mercer, famous analytics dude. Yeah. Superstar. He's from Austin. Yeah. Just uh, Tony Now, video pro from Milwaukee. Mary Garrick, from a uh, good friend from uh, Columbus, Ohio. So definitely kind of drawing nationally for the presenters, but people from all over too. It was good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It sounds like it's kind of, I, I also like the fact that you also talk about where they're from as well, right? You definitely had a nice mix of people from all over uh, the United States, so that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So tell me about this. So you've, been, you've been doing this, this content thing. You've been in the space, the digital space for what, 18 years now? How long has it been? Since January of 2000, we started building websites, done search and analytics since it was spelled with a small a prior to the Google product really like late 2000, early 2001, yeah. and then started writing and blogging and teaching and speaking like 10 years ago or so, maybe 2007, that was the first articles I published. So a while, but not the first, right? Like I'm kind of second generation. I know people who started their companies in the 90s, and there's a lot of bloggers and social media pros who much earlier than me, we all could have started sooner, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, you always feel that way, right? It's like, oh, if I would have started, five, you know, I feel like that, like real estate, like if I would have bought a house 10 years ago, or I tell my mom, hey, <laughs> you know, if I'd have done this, you know, it's like one of those, you always feel like you're never, you know, unless you were the first person, right? Unless you were like, yeah, yeah, like you always feel like behind, but I just, I know I can catch up. I just know it. I think that's what's awesome about today is like just with content and creation and just there's so much evolution, so many cool things that are happening out there. It's just, and that's why I always tell, you know, clients and, you know, influencers and people that I work with, it's like, like oh, it's, we're a little late for this, a little late for that. You're never, it's never too late, you know? No, I mean, it's not ever always, It isn't. I mean, you have people that have jumped on the scene a year or two ago and they're big. Sure. Um, right. And so it just, it just depends on, you know, obviously your service and product and how you're, you're going to present it to the world. But that's interesting. It's interesting for sure. Cause we, it's so funny. So I have been doing it for about 20 years and I was in denial for a long time. So I'm, I would like to say that I'm great at marketing, but I'm terrible like math. Like I would be a terrible accountant. 
Mm-hmm. Because I, one time my wife, when I was used to have an, an office at my house, actually I do have an office at my house, but I have another office as well. But my wife was walking by one day and she goes, um, hey, I heard you talking. You said that you've been doing this for 12 years. And I said, yeah, it's, like, it's been at least 10 or 12 years. And she goes, it's been 20, like you're 43 years old. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, hey, who knew? Like this whole time I've been <laughs> lying, you know? I was like, I added on eight years within like, within like a two minute conversation. So, so there we are, you know, it's, it's just one yeah, of those things. Like time, time flies. Back. It yeah. really does. I'm, I'm in denial, man. It's one of those things I'm in denial about just my age and I guess anything else. But, you know, my wife is there to keep me straight. So shout out to my wife. Thank you for everything that you do. Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about content marketing. So about the like different campaigns that you run. Like if you have like a client or something like, and you guys are putting together some type of a, a campaign for your client, what are like some of the pillars or how would you go about it? Like if I was to call you up and say, hey, Andy, I want to, I want to be a superstar. I want to be a thought leader. I want to mm-hmm. get my product out there. Like what was, what are some of the things like, what is your guys' process for that? Well, if I had met someone new and they said thought leader, I'd probably go a different direction. I'd start to ask them about their strongest opinions and any counterintuitive advice they give or things they say that are kind of contrarian. You kind of develop that. Anyone that wants to be a thought leader should really kind of stick a flag in the ground and draw a line in the sand. and like, I'm about this and I'm not about that. And you stand for and against things. But for a lot of brands, I mean, if you just want to connect with an audience, you don't necessarily need tons of stories and strong opinion. might sound weird. I think it's totally possible to build a giant audience without telling stories per se. But you basically need to go deep on the audience first. So what do they care about? What do they read? What do they need? What are they hoping for? What are they afraid of? What are their buying triggers? So ideally, you have a set of search-optimized, conversion-optimized sales pages as your foundation, like strong base, the website, it's going to rank eventually, and it's going to leverage human psychology to get people to take action and convert. But past that, when you get into the content program, you write your content marketing mission statement, audience X gets information Y for benefit Z. That is now set in stone and they know what they're going to talk about, where they're going to talk about it, who they're talking to, why that audience cares. You've got a conversion optimized call to action for subscribers on the blog. So now every visitor is more likely to stay, to take action and stay on your list or be engaged. And then really the two things that I recommend all the time that are maybe a bit different than what others might say is to go super collaborative in your content, which Shane, you're a pro at. This is how I met you. Like it's a total difference, right? People that include others in their stuff. So it could be roundups, which are excellent, you know, case study for that, but just contributor quotes or like we're doing now, like interviews, like the deep dive thing. Then the other tip I recommend is to go up big on formats and past the medium quality advice articles into like original research, like publish something that's totally original, that makes you the primary source. You're going to give yourself a big SEO leg up in going forward if uh, your site has some statistic that are specific to you and that you own. So those are the kinds of things like mission statements, and collaborative content, publishing original research, but you got to have a good base first, right? That foundation, the website platform itself. I love that. So, and it's, you know, we obviously do a lot of that, the expert roundups and stuff like that. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, it's, I was just, I was interviewed by Landon Ray, founder of Entreport. And one of the things he's like, hey, if you could tell whatever, you know, Shane from 30 years ago or whatever, 35 years ago, four years ago, I don't even know, long mm-hmm. time ago, like, you know, what would you do differently? Like, what would you tell that Shane? And, and for me, it's, I do more of it now, like the networking and the expert roundups and where I get to know people and chat. And obviously we're doing like podcasts and all the other fun mm-hmm. stuff, but it's, it's only in the last probably five, 10 years, or maybe last seven years, probably that I started doing that. I really wish when I was younger, I would have done more of that networking and, yeah. and that kind of thing. It's, it's one of those things that's, I preach this to my son. So my son's, he's in the second year of, of college. 
and I tell them like, Hey, listen, like do the networking thing, like join a fraternity, do these types of things because it's really, you don't understand the value of that, of having those networks, you know? And like I said, I feel like my first five or 10 years, I, I just kind of felt like, Hey, I can figure it out. Like, Oh, I've, I've got it. You know, I can do this on my own. And it's just such a shallow way of thinking, you know, it's cause now I meet all these awesome people. And like when you go to events and you speak and you do all this cool stuff and it's fun and like I, the networking, you just can't, you can't, I mean, that's what it is. That's like how yeah. we get to where we're going is like literally networking, getting to know people. You yeah. you meet other speakers, they've got this going on. They got that going on. I mean, it just doesn't get any better. And I, I just, it's just one of those things. It's like that the collaboration there is just can be phenomenal. It hits every note. The quality of your content gets better because you've got experts in it. You're going to read by learning your own content. That's part of a great day. Your social reach, obviously better because your content was collaborative and other people are involved and they're likely to promote it with you. They're invested in it. Collaborating with content creators is also known as PR, digital PR, SEO, search savvy PR, right? Yeah. Why do people link to stuff? It's because they know about it. Why do they know about it? Because they're connected with the creators. Every channel, every aspect, every part of digital there are no parts of digital, even analytics, I would argue. My analytics skills came from other people. Analytics is not, you know, you could do it in a dark room and you don't need any friends and you could be a, a yeah. loner, lone wolf, yeah. isolated data dude who's hiding in the mountains. Yeah. But really, it's, I just mentioned, you know, Chris Mercer, Dana DiTomaso, Charles Farina. This is how I learned to analytics, right? This is, these people push my skills. So, and, and then you said it first, fun. Yeah, it is. Man. It is. It, it doesn't, you know, when it doesn't feel like a job, you feel blessed. You know, I mean, that's yeah. like, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a big part of the whole thing is, is like I said, that networking side of thing, I think is, and God, there was something else you said that it, it really kind of resonated with me too. And I'm trying to think, I'll, I'll probably remember here in a minute. But um, so tell me a little bit about like, you got, you wrote a book, right? So let's go into that a little bit. So I honestly, I haven't read it yet. That not say I'm not going to. If I'll send you one, if you don't have it. Absolutely. Look, at this. that's what I'm uh, talking about. Fifth edition is a hundred pages longer than the last one. This is the illustrated handbook to content marketing. So it's got lots of pictures, diagrams. Actually, it's a format you'd appreciate um, yeah. as a tactic. I mean, just uh, as a content tactic. I mean, the, as a case study itself, yeah. you of everything you've ever done and everything you know and have published as a lifetime body of work. Like yeah. Elbow, L-B-O-W, your lifetime body of work. Yeah. It's um, make a list of everything you know, put it in an outline format, Look at where there's gaps that things you haven't published yet. Blog into those topics. Then when you get far enough, 80%, maybe or 60%, you stop what you're doing. You put it together in a way that fits, right? It all becomes, you know, you fill in the blanks and intros and conclusions and opening sections. So yeah, I mean, it's everything I know in 280 pages, but it's also something that I recommend that people consider doing in their own fields because it opens tons of doors. It's, uh, it's very useful and I get feedback all day, every day. Like, wow, thanks so much. This was helpful. I'm learning. I bought it for my team. I love the way that you put that together and how you did that. I think that's so very original because once again, it's just, it's literally a, a dissertation of all the stuff that you've learned over, you know, 18, 19, 20 years, right. Of in the, in the space. So I did remember, so this is what I thought was really interesting is one of the things you said before is also having original content, right? Some kind of a study or something that you've done because there's obviously the value of, of having that. And then there's obviously the SEO value of people linking to it and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's one of the things, and I think people don't like, let's touch on that. Like, how would you recommend, like if I was going to do, or somebody or somebody, their business was going to do some kind of an original study, like how do you go about that? Obviously I know it depends on, you know, on the company, but what would you recommend for somebody to do that and say, listen, if you got to come out with some, obviously we need some analytics, we need some, sure. right, right, we need some stuff there. So give us a little bit like an idea of once if you were going to help a client put together some original content like that, how would you go about it? Well, I did a webinar this morning for BuzzSumo 
And during the question period, they said, well, original content, I see how you do it in your industry because we published some surveys and studies. Yeah. Uh, the examples I give in my, in my presentation were from things that I'd done because I, I can show the results. And they said, but what about us? I'm in healthcare. What would be original research for us? And so I went to clevelandclinic.com. I put it into Moz, mm-hmm. went to the top pages report. I'm looking at the top linked to articles on clevelandclinic.com. Like one of the highest ones I'd been linked to like more than a thousand times. Just like what works better, mouthwash or breath mints? There you go. So Simple. they just published this thing and it got like, attracted a thousand links, one URL. Well, yeah, okay, but what about real estate? Okay, Zillow.com. This is real time, like right then I'm showing them. Yeah. Zillow.com, put it into Moz. This is the link explorer tool, right? It's yeah. Or the, yeah, it's the domain, you know, it's checking the domain. Yeah. It sees the top link two pages. On Zillow.com, it was like, you know, Americans are struggling to afford mortgages or something like that. Clearly like a data-driven piece, like they've yeah. got data. So the idea is that you look around at your industry, you find gaps in information. There's a statistic that doesn't exist. So you publish that statistic, you make it a soundbite, make it a visual, you own it. Now you're the primary source. Anyone who talks about that topic is likely to link back to you. For us, we're wrapping it up now. This is the fifth year of our annual blogger survey. Mm-hmm. Every year we get a thousand bloggers to answer like 12 or 14 questions. Mm-hmm. And by looking at the answers, we have data that shows things like how long does it take to write a blog post? The answer is on average, a blog post takes like three hours and 46 minutes to create something like that. About once a week, some randomly, some authority website links to that article because it supports their case, right? Yeah. Neil Patel links to that thing like, I don't know, three, four times a month. It's all the time people are constantly referring to that article and the earlier versions of it because it supports what they're saying. When have you ever seen a presentation that didn't have some statistic or study? Yeah. Have you read an article that didn't have that, right? So the idea is to be that research. Don't just cite someone else's research. You can be the primary source. If you just apply a little bit of rigor, do something that's way harder than most people don't do, publish original research and um, you'll win the internet for the day. Yeah, I love that. I, and that's you know so funny because we haven't really, I mean, on our side, I haven't really done too much. I cite a lot of other people, right? And I do that. There's multiple reasons why I do that. I do that to cite people. And then also, so I reach out to them and say, hey, I just cited you here mm-hmm. and hey, we share it. So there's value in that. But I, the original side of things, that's something that I, I would have to say if I was lacking in anything, that would definitely be something that I'm have to. Well, uh, how about this? I'll just make one up. Let's say you and I collaborate on a study. We yeah. reached out to 200 content marketers and we asked them, do you ever publish roundups? Do you use contributor quotes? Do you do interviews? These are three more formats for collaborative content. Yeah. Do you do them? Why do you do them? To increase social shares. That was a benefit you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, to have something that's link worthy, uh, search benefits. And then when it's done, we're going to publish a study. It'll be an infographic. It'll be a podcast where you know, we'll, we'll pitch it to different places. It'll get picked up all over. 28% of marketers are using roundups. 16% of marketers are using interviews. Wow. Only 5%. You know, we're going to have data. Yeah, to back it up. Other people's content. Yeah, and yeah. include it and mention it. And, and we'll all, everyone will benefit. There we go. So this is the reason why we record these kind of things. I'm going to look at this later. I'm going to say, listen, Let's all right, guys. This is what we're going to do. This yeah. Is, Anyone can do it. Awesome. <laughs> Let's that's do cool. it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. Okay, so your book, because I don't, I, I don't want to, we, we, I kind of skipped over that real quick. That, that's like literally your, you know, it's like your lifetime work. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, I mean, how long did it take you to put that together? How many pages is it? It's right now it's 280 pages. This is another weird tactic that honestly, a lot of the stuff we talk about people, most listeners probably won't do it. I understand. And I'm not holding anybody accountable to doing everything that, you know, there's millions of ways to do it, but this is one way. So you published the like 
Shanepedia. Like you know everything you know. You made an outline. You've got it all organized. You blogged into it. It's now these 65 blog posts are going to come together into 100 pages. You trim it down. It takes like two or 300 hours of work maybe at least to get it together. The first time I did it, I went to Kinko's. I printed 12 copies. I brought it to Content Marketing World. I handed one to Ann Handley, to Lee Odin, to Jay Baird, to Joe Polizzi, hoping that they would, that I get feedback on it. I don't know how many of them read it, but then I self-published it. And then it went out of date because it talked about weird old things like Google authorship and things that don't exist anymore. So I rewrote it in the second edition. Two years later, a year later, I had to rewrite it again. This is now the fifth edition. So I have an annual book. Yeah. It's already hard enough to do one. And now you're just, I mean, I guess that's the hard part. So it's so funny. I talked about maybe six months ago, um, I was going to be doing, I was going to write a book about influencer marketing. But, you know, the issues are, it's just, and the hard part is like you just touched on is like, it just, everything changes so fast. You know, it's like, if I start talking about a software or something that's done, like by the time the book comes out and everything, it's going to be, there's new ways to do it. Right. So it just, you got to think of something that's like evergreen that's, you know, has that once again, won't go away. And that, you know, it's going to be kind of a, hopefully build a legacy through the book or whatever, but it's interesting. Yeah. So each year well, you, you have to. Snowball. Yeah. About every two years. So let's say you've got 20 articles on it. I'm sure you do. You could put those into three eBooks. And then you could turn the eBooks into you know, one print-on-demand book. And then as time goes on, you rewrite some of the old articles. And now you know that those are going to go into the new version of the book. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's just, uh, in a way, it gets easier every year. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not like, it's probably an easier approach than writing a giant book from scratch. Like, yeah. that sounds horrible. Yeah, it does. I mean, and for me, like, I mean, what you have done makes sense to me, right? Because it's like, I've already got a lot of that content out there. But mm-hmm. starting something like from scratch, like I'm, I'm good at, you know, 800, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 words. But once we get past that, we, we run into this, this area where Shane like looks around and there's squirrels and, you know, he just he, <laughs> he kind of kicks in a little bit, bud. And so I just, you know, it's like trying to focus and, and trying to, you know, and trying to, and putting that, because I have a good outlines together and stuff like that. But I think that makes a lot of sense because that, that stuff that's already out there that can just be tightened up and, and put into something that could, the annual thing makes me a little nervous because I haven't even done one. So, but we'll, okay, we'll, we'll figure that well, out. Yeah. I mean, you'll watch sales decline and you'll get feedback from people saying it's old and you'll see a review saying that should have been updated. Yeah. And then it'll be like, okay, fine. For the next print run, I'll just go update these few sections. And then your audience will pull you into it. But yeah, blog into a book. And then if it's the, the format that makes sense, you could keep making small updates. Version yeah. 1.1, it could be a smaller, you don't have to rewrite the whole thing every time. I didn't do that. So tell me about how you started your agency. Like how did that start for the Orbit Media? Like what, how long ago was that that you started? It was it 18 years ago? Yeah. Quit the job in 99, December 99. Started with a friend in, in January of 2000. He's my friend from high school and roommate from college. He was already building websites since the mid 90s. And I just wanted to build websites. I was an IT recruiter was my day job before. Uh-huh. I wanted to like use both halves of my brain and do something creative and technical and art and science. And like, let's, you know, I want to make something and know I made it and pointed it and say, I did that. Yeah, yeah. I was an IT recruiter and you don't have anything to show for your work, but a paycheck, <laughs> right? It's like, I helped yeah. that guy change jobs. Like, yeah. Woo. Yay. So right after that, I realized like, yep, it's a totally insufficient to just build a website. I have to understand search. I have to understand analytics. Got to help people get results. And the internet was really weird in the way back then. Like yeah. we took on like, projects creating CD-ROMs and building kiosks for museums and trade shows. And we did a lot of flash and, you know, websites that had a skip intro button. You remember like all the weird stuff that, yeah, it was funny times, but then we got good at digital. We got better at search. We started to generate more leads, gradually started hiring. 
hired a developer, then hired a project manager, and uh, eight or nine years ago, hired a CEO. So I have a person who runs, an executive who runs the company. Yeah. So I, my role became more specific and narrow every year. Now I'm basically just like the marketing person, although I do strategy and some sales work and help clients. Of course, I have lots mm-hmm. of clients. We need yeah. help. But uh, yeah, it's a four and a half million dollar, 36 person web design and development firm. Just now, I'm an idiot. Just now, finally adding more of the digital strategy and, and ongoing optimization services. Yeah. Really not a marketing company, you know, finally now becoming more of a marketing company. Which so. is kind of funny. So you guys, and you guys are still doing websites and still do all that? It's the main thing we do. It's almost yeah. everything we do. We're, web, we're basically a web design company and we're extremely good at that. And it's very difficult, detailed work. I mean, web design is, uh, there's, it's, you know, it never ends. It's, there's a million little things, you know, that make it succeed or fail. So it's a tricky industry to be in. It's a low margin industry. There's so much competition, but we do pretty high end stuff. These are like, you know, most of our websites are like $50,000, sometimes triple that for yeah. larger, sometimes enterprise, bigger companies. But it takes like super experienced expert people to do it. I have, te- I have 12 full-time developers. I've got six designers, six project managers. So, but the stuff I love, I mean, it's like Orbit builds cars and I teach driver's ed. That's how I think of it. Like yeah. I like to show people how to get results from the stuff that we do. Yeah, that's, I'll tell you, man, it's so funny because this is why I like to have these kinds of conversations because I like stay as far away as I can from websites. Like it just, for me, <laughs> I, like, I literally, like somebody comes and says, do you websites? And I, I put my hands up and I say, just please step back. Like don't get any, <laughs> just, this is not going to be a good relationship. We're, we're probably going to, yeah, like just, just step away. Like just right please <laughs> not call Andy for Sorry, God's sake. Is- <laughs> yeah 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 that's me like i'll get under the table and like oh, they see me and yeah i, you I know, love the, it actually i love it but it's it's but it, that's because you guys have been doing it you've been successful at it and, and but it is it's it's one of those once you get the good processes in place and all that kind of stuff like anything it's good but i just you know i had so many i mean we used to do websites back in the day i mean we still do websites for a client that i've had for a long time come and say hey will you do help us out with the website yeah not a problem um we're not doing fifty hundred thousand dollar websites because to me i just think about like being in the middle of that like, it's, it's a scary place for me. Like, I just, you know, just so many different things that are going on. We can do it, but I just, it's just not, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I wanted to, over time, you, know, you realize this is like, where do you want to spend your time? And doing websites, I felt like they just never ended. Like, it just was never, and you got to set those up with, the, you know, obviously in the contracts and let them know, hey, we'll do, you know, only 10,000 revisions, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever the numbers <laughs> are, right? So that they can fill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give or take a zero or two. But that's what I think is interesting about it is that it's just, it's just one of those deals, man. Just websites. Well, everyone, you know, it's funny. It's like, so you and I have a ton of overlap in our networks. But when you get into it, people and understand like really how they pay the bills, I'm not sure what it looks like from the outside, but the marketing, thought leader, social, celebrity. I mean, there's really only a couple of ways that these people make a living. I mean, yeah. they put butts in seats and, and run events or mm-hmm. they get paid to speak at events. They might do some consulting. Most people do not sell enough books to make a living. It's a very small yeah. number. A lot of people try to create an information product and have an online course, but that's not, I mean, that's a tough way to go. There's not that many people I know that are very successful with those. Yeah. Some. But, you know, it's um, working at a brand is not a bad way to go. I mean, just work at an agency or work at a brand and like, um, I, I, I get it. You know, we, we have a lot of mutual friends that I would kind of recommend that they consider like just slide in a home plate, man. You'd be an amazing marketing direct VP of marketing. At, yeah. It's lots of cool places that need help. Yeah, there definitely is. There, there definitely is. I, 
you know, I've always, I've always fought with that as, as being, you know, having an agency. It's like, you know, having the agency is one thing and it's, and it's great and it's fun. I mean, we've, you know, we're getting in our twenties, you know, so it's, it's obviously there's a lot of stuff we put in place to, to be able to be where we're at today. But it's, I also fight with the side of like getting a, a job, you know, like actually having a job and not really necessarily anymore, but it was like, you know, you'd have these big companies that would come and want to pull you away. And you're like, God, is that a better way to go? You know, of course I'm asking my wife, my wife's like, sounds like steady money. Let's do it. You know, let's, we're going to go team, you know? And it was for me, and this was probably more early on. And it was just a, it was one of those things I just thought, I just don't know if I want to, I want to do that. You know, the agency thing was always real interesting to me and I just enjoyed the space. I just enjoyed just the, you know, there's always something to learn, right? I feel like there's always, and there's so many great people in the space. I just, I don't know. I feel real lucky to, I guess, to feel where we're at today. I feel like it's, you know, good things have happened for sure. Well, agency side marketers learn more faster, but they have to do a lot of sales or be involved in sales normally, but you get to touch a lot more challenges. You get to talk to a lot more audiences. You get to see a lot more analytics accounts. Brand side marketers have a lot more stability in, in many ways. It depends if they're a startup, maybe not, maybe not, but they get to go deeper with an audience. They get to get, they get to know that analytics account and those, that audience, that target audience much better. So I can see it both ways. I mean, if you want to get really get into like marketing automation and detailed funnels and predictive analytics, you kind of want to be on the brand side because you're going to spend a lot of time building middle of funnel content to try to get to know these people really, really well and touch every one of their pain points. But it's super fun to work with lots of clients because yeah. day to day, you might talk to like six different brands on eight different challenges and you're like yeah. troubleshooting and research. And I mean, it's super fun. It is. I think that's what I enjoy about it is just you just never know like what you're going to get, you know? I mean, it's kind of like my wife is, um, just became a nurse. This was about a year ago. Um, had a little, she was doing sales and stuff and said, hey, I want to be a nurse. And she's a phenomenal nurse. Like my wife is, sent, this is the second time I brought her up so far, but like super amazing. But yeah, she, it's, it's one of those things you, you know, you look at that and she really enjoys, like she works with preemie babies, but she really enjoyed the ER side of things because she just never know what's going to come through that door. And marketing is not quite that crazy. She's right? like, like a I'm, NICU nurse? Yeah, like NICU. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she works with little preemie babies. And so my mom was a nurse for 35 years. My aunt was, I mean, like everybody in my family had been nurses at one point and, and my wife just, we just said, Hey, one day she's like, Hey, I want to be a nurse. And I was like, awesome. awesome. And then, yeah. And then she's guys, here goes the cost and it's going to be one year program. And I said, damn, that's not awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, baby. That was, it was, <laughs> it was a good decision for sure. But, but yeah, I think, you know, that what I'm thinking there is, is like, you know, the, the ER side of things. And I love that about marketing is that there's always something new to learn, you know, I think some people drive them crazy and there's, and there's so much content out there. There's so much like, you know, it's like I always the analogy of drinking out of a water hose, right? Of trying to mm -hmm. be able to, like, what do you take in as a, as a business owner? And mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I was interviewed last week and that was one of the things you're like, do you think it's easy to be a business owner? And I said, no, I said, I think it's, you know, there's softwares and stuff that I think make it, but it's extremely difficult. Like I can't imagine like if I was to start a business and I had to learn what I know, like I don't have to be everything that I know, but I just, the of jumping in that space and, you know, got to hire the right people. And it just, it's a, you know, it's kind of a, an interesting time because you can't, you can't ignore digital. You can't ignore online. You know, it's a, it's kind of, it's interesting and scary at the same time. If I was a business owner, I would be a little worried about it just because it's like, you know, how do you, where do you spend your money? And you know, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a crazy it's little much deal. Bad advice. I know I can relate with the people that I meet who are struggling with these issues because there's tons of conflicting advice everywhere. I remember in the very beginning, uh, I used to think, wow, that's uh, we got to be careful with this client and take good care of them. They're a wounded client. They've gotten burned before. Everybody's been burned before by this oh, yeah. point. Every brand has had a bad experience. Every brand has had a bad consultant. They've had a vendor that blew them off or a support partner that never called them back or they got, you know, they get so many different people coming at them from so many directions. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about on the agency side, you know, it's about trust. 
It's about caring. It's about humility. It's about following the data and not just sticking out. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I want to be a learn-it-all. I want to have hypotheses and test them and see what worked and tell the client, I believe this will work. Let's try this. If it doesn't, we're going to do something else. Because that's why they're hiring you, right? I mean, that's the whole idea is, is like, listen, you have some expertise that I don't have and we're going to try some stuff. And I, that's the thing. So I think it's all about proper expectation. And I think that's where a lot of people miss that mark when it comes to working with clients, but it also on a number of different things. Like I, for me, when I talk to clients, it's kind of like what you just said is I set the expectation, like, listen, here's the deal. Like, this is what I think is going to work. And this is the reason why, and because this is what we've done with this client. And once again, but I can't guarantee that it's going to work. Right. But the idea is we're going to try a few different things. Cause if I just knocked it out of the park on the first one, I would love to tell you that, you know, I do that all the time, but it doesn't happen that way. I mean, there's, you got to figure it out. Right. I mean, there's that we as strategists also have to look at, okay, there's 15, 20, 50, a thousand different things that we could do for the client, but what do we need? To do right, and so I think that's having that proper expectation of like, what, what are your goals? What are we looking at here, and what do we need to do to get? And you know, I always ask my clients, I have qualifying questions, obviously, and I just say, One of the things I say, What would be a home run? Like, what would you right. consider in your mind like a big, big win? And then, right. great, we can put that up there and, and say, Hey, this is what we're shooting for. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. I, I, like I said, I do enjoy the, the daily hustle and being able to help businesses too. Once again, I pride myself, and you know, I've, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, this is my last five thousand dollars and um and i'll say don't give it to me i don't you know i don't don't give that to anybody like you really got to look at your business <laughs> right i mean honestly i tell i've had people okay. that like got yeah. offended like they're like you're not gonna take the last of my money i said no that's terrible like i don't want to be that person like because then what happens is you don't think about the person before me that you gave a hundred thousand dollars to you're pissed off at shane that took your last five thousand like no no like let me take you to dinner or something keep your money keep you I, I always like i try to offer like some free help and say listen let me send you guys in the right yeah. direction right but i'm i don't want to be the person taking that that last money from you. I mean, it's because I've always had businesses and I've always bootstrapped my businesses. Actually, I got an investor twice, but usually I bootstrap my businesses. And for me, I know what that feels like, right? I understand those struggles as a business owner of like, man, this is like really nervous about this or nervous about that. And so I always, we always think about that when working with people It's like, Hey, listen, you know, even if they're a big company, it's like, you have to respect people and their time. And once again, I think trust, you touched on trust earlier, which I think is a big one that you got to really build that up. It's important to, especially these days, you got to treat people right. You know, you just, it yeah. just is important, not just because of the money, but just because it's like, it's just being good. I mean, and that it pays. I mean, even if you're, I'm not going to suggest being selfish about this. In fact, the opposite, I think we should be as generous as possible. And that content marketing is actually a test of generosity. It's the brand that gives away as much of their helpful, useful advice that they can that wins. Content is literally a test of generosity and the brand that gives away the most best advice will attract the largest audience. But still, there are so many people who need our help that we do need filters and it's hard. Sometimes it's a struggle for me. I have uh, my inbox every day. It's, um, I do my best, but right now I'm looking at a lot of messages on LinkedIn and on my inbox here of um, like the brain pick here. Can we do a call? I've got this idea. But I think of Joe, you know, Joe Polizzi, he worked so hard to give everybody as much love as possible. And it all came back in the end. It's such a great story. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's so funny because I I remember when I started writing and started putting some stuff out that we were doing and people were like, why would you do that? Like, why would you tell everybody your your secrets? And I'm like, well, why would I not? Like, you look at it a different way. Like, I'm going to literally, I tell people everything. Like, whatever you ask me said, hey, Shane, how are you making money? I would tell you how I was doing it. I would give you the equation and I'd send you a PDF on how to do it. Like, I'm just not, like, I look up, there's business for everybody. Like, to me, I don't really have competitors because I don't look at people as competitors. I look at more of the collaboration side of things, right? Like mm-hmm. partnerships and what can we do to, to help each other out? I just, and I think when I started doing that, when I writing that content, I did look at it as like a gift because I felt like, that's what people ask me. Like, well, how do I, how do I start doing this influencer thing? Like, do I have to hire an agency? I'm like, 
I write about it all the time. I literally have <laughs> hundreds yeah. of articles where you could go and you can get enough information to be dangerous, at least have a good foundation before you jump into this thing and you go pay somebody a lot of money. Like, I don't know. I, I just, there's so much information. I think that that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah. Good thing is, is, Hey, that there's, you can really find anything. You have any course you can take on anything on how to build purple elephants in your backyard. I mean, there's a course on that. I'm sure. I'm not sure if it's making a lot of money, but it's there. What I would tell people and the listeners and viewers, since it is about trust and since some people you'll get 10 X or 50 X the value. If you find someone, you find the Shane or you find the whoever that helped you with that article that day. I don't think people should be too hesitant to add themselves to that list. Jump on people's lists, get those next five emails, see what you get. Their welcome series is probably going to give you their best stuff already. And then if you get bored or tired or you don't open, you find you didn't open five in a row, just get off the list. Yeah. We should all be really studying like it's finals week and downloading that ebook. And I mean, people are, they're really trying hard. It's like, the, that's the purpose of this printed book, right? Yeah. People are, like you can ask me these questions, but I, I already did kind of put it all together. So when you find someone that you trust, I hope that people limiting their own knowledge, resisting that call to action to sign up because that person that you liked just now is trying to give you all their best. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's, we talk about that. It's almost like, and this is some, another thing that I, that interview I did last week about, you know, they said, Hey, when you were younger, it was one thing was the networking, but it was also looking for finding a mentor or finding somebody mm -hmm. to follow. Right. And I think that was something, and that's kind of what you're touching on is like, if you have somebody that you're like, God, they yeah. put out great content, they're putting together an ebook and stuff for you that is literally could obviously hundreds of hours, could be thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars that they put into this to be successful, to figure out the winning equation so that you can take that. Like, that's crazy yeah. if you really yeah. think about it. I mean, because back in the day, it was like, hey, if I'm successful, you know, I've got to kind of hold it close to my chest. I can't tell anybody because somebody might steal my ideas. And now yeah. it's like, hey, this work, like the value in that of like these, the groups or whatever it is, what are they, master groups or whatever they have? Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, mastermind or, groups. Yeah, mastermind groups. I mean, that's to me is like, well, that's awesome, man. I mean, except I belong like 30 of them and it's hard to keep up with all of them. But other than that, <laughs> other than the fact that I, you know, I do I chip in every once in a while. But I think it's just awesome. The amount of content out there is, and once again, I think you touched on it. It's like, if you can find that person that you really enjoy, like follow them. There's no reason not to. They're going to give you your best stuff. Yeah. And, and if you get bored or if it's bad or there were three in a row that sucked for you and it's not the right timing or that's not your problem today, just unfollow, unscribe, yeah. unsubscribe. I mean, it's not like no one's going to get offended. No one, don't feel bad. I think we should be very quick to jump on and jump off lists, whatever is just, but when you find that thing, you know, you're going to miss that opportunity if you don't ask for a little bit more of it. So, and I, I will tell the audience that if you unsubscribe from me, I will follow you. I will find you. So just, so don't ever unsubscribe. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. I did that in the very beginning, actually. When I had a tiny list, I watched my unsubs and I, and, and I went to see if there was a, or I, actually my heart bounces. I would find the people whose email bounced because like they changed jobs. Yeah. Because I had a tiny list. Like, actually, I think it's a really interesting topic, like marketing for tiny brands. Yeah. They have special opportunities. Like they can be super human, like super personal and human and they can create VIP experiences. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of little tactics I like for tiny brands and unknown uh -huh. brands. But one that I did was look at the hard bounces. If those people look like they're some people you still want on your network, make sure you're connected on LinkedIn. If you connect on LinkedIn and they say, thanks, say, Hey, by the way, I noticed that my email is not getting through to you anymore. Do you still want to get it? They say, yes. You know, you retained a subscriber, you started a conversation, yeah. maybe that goes somewhere. It's not creepy, but no. it's not supposed to be. It's creepy when you go and knock on their door. And I quit doing that because I just thought, you know what, this is just, it was taking up so much time. You got to go to their house and you got to find Parking out what outside. kids they go to school to, you know, and then you got to do all this research. It just gets weird. 
it's super awkward, but we're not doing that anymore. So, so we're good. Kind of that influencer marketing. It's a, yeah, yeah that's how, awkward, that's how I became an influencer. I was like, you're going to follow me or I'm going to follow <laughs> you. So how about that? How about that for a threat? Yeah. So I, I think that it's funny. That's so when, back in the day, it was like when I remember thinking like the more subscribers you had, the better. Right. And that was, I had a client that we got to, she was got her, we got her a hundred thousand, way over a hundred thousand email subscribers. And we we're like, Oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But what I didn't realize is that that to segment that and you have like you just can't say you're not sending out a hundred thousand emails I mean this was in the beginning when I was doing this and it's just one of those deals it's like god it's crazy it's like it's almost an issue if you have that many like it's I think it's better to have the smaller list the more intimate list like I do encourage people like hey if you want to get off my list like that's totally cool like I like to me then it just we just didn't it doesn't wife try to force a relationship here like it just doesn't make sense I did used to add them on LinkedIn and write a little note and the kind of the same things you did but for me, it was like, hey, for whatever reason, unless they were somebody that I was like, oh, that's a, somebody I really need to keep in contact with. Because then I want to know, like, hey, why do you, you know, why do you not want to be with me? Like, yeah, I yeah. thought we were friends and stuff. I like, thought we were going to have a family together. Now, there you are. You're unsubscribing, you bastard. This is something someone told me. So let's say this is not for small brands. It's for a bigger brand where you've got thousands of subscribers and your call to action on your website says, join the 2,000 or 20,000 people who subscribe to this newsletter. And you, you're hesitant to do a list hygiene exercise and remove your, your inactives yeah. because you don't want that number to change. My friend, I think it was Jessica Best told me this. You can change it to say, join the 20,000 people who have subscribed to this email. Yeah, it's so all that, that, language, that, that language sort of says like, they're not subscribed now, but join they, the 20,000 people have. who have subscribed at one time. It's okay. like a little tweak. It's actually kind of funny. It's not the most, I mean, it's not like a huge impactful tactic, but yeah, it, there's no, you don't want to send email to someone that doesn't want it. Yeah. There's no value in sending email to people that don't want it. So just, uh, it's far more worthwhile to just clean the list, scrub it, get the 5,000 off there, better for your deliverability. It's better for the internet. For everything. You want, yeah, it's not, there's no use in that. Yeah, there doesn't, yeah. I mean, go, and then go find somebody that you like better. That's, yeah. you've already touched on that. I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah. So in your opinion, what do you think are like the biggest like challenges in content marketing? Like, cause you guys are obviously doing heavy, you guys do obviously heavy content. I mean, obviously I see everywhere. But like, what do you think that the challenges are these days? Like, um, I guess for yourself as, a, as your company, but also maybe, if, you know, you have a new company that's coming in and like, what are the challenges you see? Well, for me, I have trouble taking off that last hat or delegating. I don't have a VA, so I'm doing all my own inbox and social and um, calendar. And that's a big challenge for me, but it's just where I am right now. I'm really bad at certain types of tasks and I should just delegate those. I need to call Jess at Don't Panic Management or do the. I need to figure it out. For my clients, I think that they just kind of like, I think of like a, I don't exercise or go to a health club or anything, but it's that kind of thing, like the commitment the saying, I'm going to do it and do it the right thing and to be careful in the kitchen and work hard in the gym. You know, that, like that approach to content, they don't have a coach. There's no one who's going to hold them accountable. It's like a discretionary use of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I can blow it off and I don't get in trouble. So one of the things, if you do have that call to action on your website and you do have a small list and you did tell them you're going to send them something every two weeks, I think that will help you stay committed. Yeah. But I don't think people need to go overboard with the frequency. It's got to be monthly at least, whatever it is you're doing. But I highly recommend going... So like the most I've ever published, my highest frequency in all these years has been bi-weekly. That's all I do. You know, I can write a, a, the best piece of content on the internet for whatever topic every two weeks. That's the best I can do. I can't do it more than that. Yeah. So, that, so that's my frequency. So uh, crank down the frequency a little bit, but keep maintain the consistency. Spend an extra two, three, four hours per piece than your competitors and get help on uh, editing, images, 
delegate as much of the creation and promotion on social scheduling, delegate as much of the promotion and creation process as you can so that you stay close to your audience, that you stay close to the, the headlines, the inspiration, the ideation, the structure, and then the machine is turned on. Now keep it on, you know, start early, go far, stay long. That's the job. So here's the deal. So it's funny. So I, um, I don't know if you know, but I, I teach a class at UCLA and I, and one of the things it's a uh, influencer marketing and how to be an influencer and like personal branding type course I teach. But the reason I'm telling you that is one of the things that I show my students is my first blog post. And it was like literally terrible. Like I didn't write it in crayon, but I felt like I wrote it in crayon. I was sipping on like a juice cup and it was just, it was just bad. It was really, it was like, but I have that on my blog and I let them read it and they go, God, that's terrible. And I go, exactly. Mm -hmm. But I started, right. I mean, it's like, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Like now the content I put now, now I've got a team and it's, it's a different deal. But back then it's like, you just, like you said, the gym, you got to commit yourself and it doesn't need to be epic. Like I think people get caught up on the, Oh, I read this. Oh my God, it has to be as good as this. And I've got to do this. Get started, right? Like Mm -hmm. get out there and just start producing some stuff. It's going to be better. Any big, YouTube star that, you know, their first video was crap. I haven't even seen it. And I can tell you that it's just those things you get. A lot of it's this internal stuff where we get nervous about like putting myself out there, whatever it is. It's like, Hey man, you just got to do it. And I think, you know, the quality is going to come over time, but you just got to get started. You know, you got to start building that. Yeah. It's initiative. So you got to break down that filter that stops you from jumping in. Like, Oh, I've got an idea. Let me just start writing it. Yeah, I will put down headlines in first paragraphs and, and, cap, and I have hundreds of dozens, literally just uh, 60 or 80 partially written pieces. And then I'm in the psychology of just like initiative. I'm going to just, I have a, I'm biased toward action. I'm going to start making something. And then when you get to like the halfway point or it's coming along and you're, and you're, you've been adding to it maybe for a couple of days or here and there, then you have to switch to this psychology of completion, right? Yeah. I'm going to stay in this thing. I'm going to do not disturb my phone. I'm going to turn off notifications. And I'm going to plow, keep going, just keep going. Just do, every half hour, it's going to be better. Every 20 minutes, you're going to see improvement. Just keep working on that piece. So I try to use this like different psychologies where I switch into different modes of motivation and just stay in it. Yeah, I think that's important. I think turning off the notifications is probably key, right? And, and grinding it out. I mean, that's because that's how things don't get finished, right? When you got, of course, when I got 15,000 tabs open and I'm like 10% into everything. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't really feel like I did tons today, you know, probably more than most people, but still feeling like I'm a little, little, just, I didn't get to the finish line on anything, which is never a fun thing. So I did want to touch on real quick about the email thing. So I did, I'm just going to give you my two cents on this. I actually just hired a personal assistant, an executive Mm. VA to take on my emails, which is a scary step. And in fact, let me give a shout out to Ian because that's the guy that I hired and he's doing an awesome job. You know, it was, it was a huge step for me because I was, I was getting bogged down too with emails. You know, you get, the more we write content, the more the stuff gets out there and more this, and then there's more people inquiring, more people asking. And so uh, he's been working with me. I've been working with him almost an hour, hour and a half a day for about two months. And we're getting, we got a good little cadence going. So I'm just, and it's been, I just figure out like, Hey, what is stuff that I have to answer? And what is stuff that he can answer as me? And then make sure he facilitates it. Cause a lot of it's a lot of it's busy work, right? Yeah. That just, you know, I, I have to look at like, what are the, I can't have somebody go and speak on stage for me. Right. I can't have somebody come and do a podcast interview as me. Right. Those, I mean, maybe we can clone maybe over time, but not right now. We haven't figured it out. And my wife's mm-hmm. like, I do not want two of you. And I'm like, okay, but anyways, we'll figure that out. I mean, the small details, mm-hmm. but you know, that's what I had to look at was like, what am I looking at? What, like, what do I have to do? And what is stuff that can be delegated? And because I, when I was younger, I, like I said, I wasn't a huge delegator. I was like, oh, I can take this on. And you know, the 20 hours a day, it, it, 
didn't usually end too well for me because it's like, you know, I was young and I could take on anything. And then the delegation thing happened. And then it's like, well, you know, I'm always nervous about, hey, are they going to do as good a job as I would? And now we have obviously processes in place and it's, it's better. But yeah, I, I just literally two months ago had somebody take on my emails. And it's been, like I said, it's a lot of training. Obviously, I've been doing a lot of that. How much of your time, how many hours a week does that save you? I would say right now, it's probably saving me at least three or four hours, at least. And we're not, we're, I mean, and he's probably That's at good. 70%. I mean, this, this thing is, is because there's, I mean, there's, you know, we're putting templates together on how I answer some emails and there's just some, some stuff that it just, because really my goal of this whole thing, in fact, we just started doing this is in the mornings I wake up, let's say it's 5.30 or something, drinking my coffee and he will have on a Google Drive doc, he has exactly all my interviews, who I'm interviewing, who's interviewing me, where I need to be, my flight plan, whatever, everything on mm -hmm. there. And then it talks about like for you as when we send you some questions for, you know, the podcast. Well, now it has a link to that. It has everything right there for me. And I want him to go through my emails and go through the stuff that I don't need to see. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so I probably should unsubscribe, but you know, that's what I'm doing is put it in folders now and then we're going to end up deleting folders that we don't need. Mm -hmm. But it was, I mean, I felt bad for the guy because jumping into my email is like, like I've never fought a wild uh -huh. bear. But I'm assuming there, there's some parallels to it. Like maybe you have a little blood on yourself and the bear comes up and he's really hungry. Mm -hmm. That might have been better for Ian. Once again, shout out to Ian, my buddy Ian, that's, that's in, probably in my emails right now answering as I'm on a podcast. God bless America. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, was a, it was a huge step for me and it's a lot of trust too. You know, I've got all invoices going through there and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's the whole shebang. So, uh, yeah. but it's, you know, I got really lucky. I, I did. I did a lot of interviewing for the position, but yeah, you can't go wrong. I know as you stared at those emails and mine are getting answered and, and I, my, and my hands are right here. So once I'm jealous. Right yeah. Well, one day for you. One I know day. I'm on my way. I'm going to get there. Okay, good. Uh, I would love a few extra hours a week. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's the training things. So I'll tell you what the key for me and the way that, that we do it is I do video trainings with them like this on zoom. We record them and then what I do is I download the recording, I send it to him and I have him take notes on what we had talked about, the high level stuff, what we talked about, it puts it in a Google Drive doc so that it's searchable. And there we go. We have a copy of the recording. So it's video and audio if he wants. I put it in Dropbox. So we mm -hmm. have that. He takes some notes on it so that it's searchable and then he can, you know, have any other questions. So it's this continuous training. And it's been, you know, I mean, we've got, I don't even how probably 60 videos now that we've done on, hey, how do you answer this and what's going on here and how do you, you know, I mean, he also is helping with sales because I am, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm the only salesperson for my company. I have a 31 person team. So, you know, there's a little bit of responsibility here, right? So I'm yeah. like, I got to keep the, you know, everybody, the kids got to eat, I guess, you know, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. you're supposed to feed them and stuff. I, I didn't even know that's a new thing, I guess. Yeah. But it's, you know, whatever. So now it's like, you know, I'm the only salesperson. And so when these leads come in now, I'm, you know, we processes, but we're, we're filtering through those things. And now he knows how to answer them and get them to a point when now it, it warrants me spending some time with them because they're a potential serious client, not somebody that has a, a dream and an idea, which is mm -hmm. you know, still email me. I'll still help you out. But it's, you know, the person that's actually got something in place and they're ready, you know, yeah. funnel and some, some sales coming in and hey, now we can take you to that next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. I've read a book about this. I read Chris Ducker's book. I read Jess Ostroff's book. I'm right behind you. No, follow up with me like in six months and then kick my ass if I haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely will. If, and if I haven't written my book, then you're going to have to, I mean, you know, it gets weird. You okay. know, I'll come to your house. I already told you. I've already done some really yeah. weird stuff in the past, which I probably shouldn't. I shouldn't have admitted that on recording. But anyways. Accountability buddies. We're going to yeah. do it. That's it. If you see me at your door, you're going to be like, damn it. Oh, I need to get a VH things here. <laughs> but, but I'll ask him about his book and then we'll both be fine because then he, we know he hasn't written his book yet. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, bud. And I'm sure we'll be in touch here real soon. This was great. Thanks. Keep in touch. Anything, anytime, you name it. I'm happy to help. Sounds like a plan, brother, man. We'll talk soon. Alrighty. Take it easy. Okay. Bye-bye.